China's sanctions on H&M, Navalny's health, and COVID rule extensions. This is your TLDR News Daily Briefing for Thursday the 25th of March. In the first story of the Daily Briefing today, we discuss the dispute between H&M and the Chinese government. Of all the political disputes we've covered on the Daily Briefing, this one is one probably most of us wouldn't have expected. As with most of the disputes with China we've covered lately, this one too comes back to the human rights abuses of Uyghur Muslims in the Xinjiang region. Last year, H&M, among other companies, including Nike, made a statement on their concerns about reports that Uyghur people were being forced to pick cotton. They also made clear that they didn't source any products from within the Xinjiang region. The recent resurfacing of these comments has led to an intense backlash from the Communist Party of China, with certain state outlets publicly defending Xinjiang cotton. In one video posted to Weibo by Chinese state media, it's claimed that cotton production involves a lot of automation, and that Uyghur farmers chose to work there, even using the phrase fought to work there, for the high salaries. Other Chinese media outlets have claimed that the companies have tried to be a righteous hero. Many celebrities and larger companies in China appear to be cancelling H&M and Nike due to their comments about the Xinjiang cotton. It seems then that the Chinese government is keen to change the narrative surrounding the situation facing the Uyghur people. And it must be said, doing so rather successfully. Considering the hashtag I support Xinjiang cotton started trending on Weibo following the controversy. This story then demonstrates the necessity for governments to be held to account and their narratives checked by an impartial investigative media. In the second story today, we discuss Russian opposition leader Alexei Navalny. In order to discuss this, some background is needed. Mr. Navalny is one of the biggest threats to President Putin's power. He has a large following in Russia and has attempted to uncover the corruption at the heart of Russian politics. One of the best examples of this was a film he made supposedly uncovering the mansion that President Putin bought himself, demonstrating the huge wealth that he's amassed while leading Russia. Actually, this is a topic we made a video about, and that video is linked in the description. It should come as no surprise then that President Putin is not his biggest fan. Last year on a domestic flight in Russia, Mr. Navalny was poisoned, and some suspect that this was on the orders of President Putin. His team transported him to Germany so that he could receive emergency treatment. Eventually, when he returned to Russia, he was arrested on entry for breaking the conditions of his paroles, for crimes he supposedly committed a few years prior, but that many international observers suspect was merely a political conviction. Anyway, in the news today though, it's been reported that his health has seriously deteriorated since being in prison. His aides are claiming that he has serious back pain and his leg feels numb, to the point that he's unable to stand. The Russian authorities, though, have stated that Mr. Navalny's health is assessed as stable and satisfactory. When the Kremlin's press secretary was asked about Mr. Navalny's health, he also appeared indifferent, stating the health state of convicts and those serving sentences in correctional institutions is monitored by prison authorities. That is their responsibility. The situation regarding Mr. Navalny has already caused a rift between the West, who believe that he's being wrongly imprisoned, and Russia. Whether this new development about his health in prison worsens the divide, well, that's yet to be seen. 
In the third and final story of the Daily Briefing today, we move to the UK to discuss the vote that's happening this afternoon on an extension of the coronavirus rules. Now, it's fair to say that when Prime Minister Johnson announced that all coronavirus restrictions would end in June, we collectively had a sigh of relief. Finally, the pandemic had an end date. We knew when we'd be able to see our friends and families again indoors without legal restrictions. We knew when we'd be able to go to nightclubs again, when we'd be able to go to concerts, and when we'd be able to plan big holidays, even if they are only domestic. And when we'd finally be able to stop analysing everything we do to see if it's truly essential. While there's not yet been any news that the date is being adjusted, there has been more concern that the world might not be ready to go back to normal in June. The biggest sign of this, though, is the vote that's happening on the Coronavirus Act. This vote is whether the Act should be extended for another six months. As you may have noticed, six months from now takes us to the end of September, far after the date at which the government has said that they're hoping to lift all legal coronavirus restrictions. Some backbench Conservative MPs have been asking, therefore, why such extraordinary powers need to be extended for such a long period of time. While the vote is expected to pass, with Labour MPs expected to back the bill, the backbench Conservative group, known as the Covid Recovery Group, led by Steve Baker, seem intent on voting it down. As many as 60 MPs, therefore, could vote against, a number which could lead to a humiliating defeat for the government, if Labour voted against it too. The CRG's major issue seems to be with the powers that police have to take action against potentially infectious people. They also worry that the bill being in law for so long will lead to a checkpoint society. Madam Deputy Speaker, the uh, habit of um, in inhumane policy soon trickles down to the servants of the state. A constituent of mine this morning undergoing a miscarriage, was denied the company of her husband. I have sent the details to the Secretary of State. Tyranny is a habit, and the motions on the order paper this evening show that we haven't quite kicked the habit. The powers that touch our personal choices and came at such a huge cost remain, and we were told that they were there purely for temporary purposes to deal with the emergency. Well, by any measure, the emergency is over and the hugely successful vaccination campaign is the guarantee against its return. And yet, on the order paper tonight, the government seeks to retain those powers to control aspects of our life, together with the punishment regime for those who disobey. Now, those of, us, uh, those of us who can spot the trajectory will have seen yesterday that after months of denial, now indeed it will be the case that you will have to provide your vaccination bona fides when you go to the pub. The government would argue, though, as they've always claimed, that June was simply the earliest date that legal Covid restrictions would be relaxed, and that if additional variants were discovered, especially if they were resistant to the vaccine, the unlocking could be delayed. If the unlocking was delayed, or if we needed to be locked down again following restrictions being lifted, the government would likely need to move quickly to deal with the new variant. And without the emergency powers contained within the Coronavirus Act at their disposal, they would be slowed down and more lives could be lost. 
As we've said though, this is only the government's defence for extending its emergency powers. What do you think? Are these powers necessary for the next six months? Let us know your thoughts in the comments below. For those of you who think the news is too long, be sure to check out tomorrow's daily briefing. Read the newsletter by signing up at tldrnews.co.uk forward slash daily. Listen to the briefing by searching for TLDR News in your podcast app or watch the briefing over at youtube.com forward slash TLDR daily.